0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Managing Madrid podcast here in Madrid live from Ewan McTeer's home. It's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to move this mic out of the way. That's better. Yeah, perfect. Um, so <laughs> we're recording this just after Real Madrid beat Osasuna. 4-0. Mm-hmm. It was, I won't lie, a really fun game to be at. Yeah. Um, and uh, we played really well. Dominated second half was pretty much, you know, we blew the game open with that first goal. Second half was much more easy. There was more space to work with. And, of course, we went up the scoreline. And Jude Bellingham continues Mm -hmm. to score at a rate that we factually haven't seen Mm -hmm. since Cristiano Ronaldo. So this is the greatest start to a Real Madrid career since Cristiano Ronaldo in 2009.
1: In terms of goal scoring. But remember yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo was a forward. Uh, Jude Bellingham is, is not in theory. So uh... Well but he is playing as well. <laughs> he is, he is. But he's even not like Cristiano was. Like we do have to Take it with a pinch of salt when people say he's a midfielder scoring ten goals and take it with a pinch of salt saying when saying when comparing him to Cristiano Ronaldo. Like yeah. he's he's somewhere in the middle between a striker and a forward and it's it's insane to have ten goals after ten games. And at that point Cristiano Ronaldo had one assist, Bellingham has three. So technically if if this was a golden boot, they sometimes go to assist as a tiebreaker, so he'd maybe even edge the tiebreaker, which is incredible.
0: I never want to downplay Cristiano Ronaldo because mm. that's a silly thing to do with one of the greatest players of all time, but I just do feel like what Bellingham has to do right now <coughs> is quite, you know, I'm not even comparing him to what Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo had or hadn't. Just this in the vacuum, yeah. it was very difficult. As Sam Leverage was writing about on our website after the game, it's not just that he's stat padding goals. His goals have been well, consequential. Hmm. Game winners, the team desperately needs them. Um, big Champions League goals, big La Liga goals. Today, he opened the scoring with the first two goals. His goals have been super important. And you think back, like now it looks great. Momentum is good. Morale is good. You think back to those early La Liga games, even Khatafi at the Burnabout on, op- mm-hmm. on the opening uh, Bernabeu game. Yep. I wonder if Real will win title this season. La Liga for example mm. if we'll look back on those and how important those goals were when the team was struggling to find its feet it was early on there still was not no cohesion you're trying to adapt in the post Benzema era his goals have just been so important to the team
1: no absolutely you'll get bored of me telling you this because I say this every time we talk after a La Liga, a La Liga game the three points in October is just are just as important as three points in, in May Like, yeah. you drop three points so early every game in... is a final every game is not a final <laughs> There are 38 games of 3 points, and that's a league season. Still not a final. But, like, it's quite normal and it would be easy, and people would give Real Madrid the the excuse of it's a new system, trying to find their feet, new player, eh, Bellingham, Ancelotti, blah blah blah. Okay, they maybe draw one of the three away games that they started the season with. It wouldn't have been an absolute disaster. But those two points might cost them the league in May. They didn't drop any of those points because Bellingham has been scoring all these goals. Like, you look at Real Madrid's start of the season, and losing to Atletico in the Derby hurts, but apart from that, they've won every single game. Like, they have maximum points apart from the three dropped in the Derby. That hurts, but I think you ask most Real Madrid fans before the season, this is better than people that. thought. They this is better that. than people thought to have... The, what? How many points is this? This is, what, 24 points from nine games, I think? Um, I think everyone would have signed up for that. No one expected that. People were... Uh, doomsday scenarios, terrible season. Benzema's left. We didn't get Mbappe. Ancelotti's old. Bellingham's come in, but is he really that good? Yeah, he is that. Courtois good. got injured. Got exactly. Injured. Like yeah. it's just it was you know no one expected it to be this good. And Bellingham is the right reason. You're right. It's not stat padding. It's you know there haven't been that many stat padding opportunities apart from today. There's been. Every game even the wins have been close. The Champions League ones have been by one goal. Most of the La Liga wins have been by one or two goals. Um and even today when there was a stat pad and opportunity well, he got the first two, so he got the two that really set the ball rolling. So, yeah, you can't say enough good things about him. One stat I looked at, um, I was I was curious about this. I was like, where does he rank in Real Madrid's all-time goal-scoring charts? Because he's probably already higher than we think. 768 players have played for Real Madrid one game in the history of the club over 100 years. Yeah. Guess where you think Jude Bellingham is? Which category? Am I remembering? I,
0: I read your article, so I know. Okay, you but, know.
1: But... It was pretty. One hundred and fifty first out of seven hundred and sixty eight, and he made his debut less than two months ago. Yeah, like it's it's insane. It's like we haven't seen this since Cristiano Ronaldo, and <clears throat> Cristiano Ronaldo was like unseen. That was uh, a unicorn. Turns out there's there's two of them.
0: The question is like you know, again, I hate comparing anyone to Cristiano Ronaldo, and that's not what I'm doing right now. <sighs> But, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo went on to do, like, 50 goals a year for, like, a decade. Exactly. So, Bellingham is 10, 11, you know, 11 games in with the Champions League, I think. Um, but, it is interesting, like, after almost every single match day, we ask the question, can he sustain? Can he sustain? Mm-hmm. Can he sustain? But, the fact that we're still asking the question means he's sustained it so far. Mm-hmm. And, again, why can't he sustain it? Because he's not going to get stop getting into goal-scoring positions. No. He's a great finisher. Why Why can't he? Um the funny thing is, like, even if you're a striker, yeah, these numbers are not yeah, yeah. ordinary. Like,
1: yeah. you compare it to like the strikers around Europe, you know, Haaland and the likes. Yeah, he's even ahead of them in terms of goals this season. The ratio, the rate of scoring this season. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I think you wrote about it after the game. I can't remember because I read your article and I read mm. Sam's article, so I may jumble it. But mm. um, I think it was you that wrote that our record against Osasuna
1: mm. is. This might have been Sam, but like go with it because I might know it. anyway. The, the record against Osasuna is an interesting one, yeah.
0: In my head, this is always a team that is so difficult to play, especially mm-hmm. if you have to go to El Sadar. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had to play them in the Copa del Rey final last season, and then in the last two years, Ancelotti pointed out in the pre-game press conference that they've taken points at the Bernabeu. Yeah, but we actually haven't lost to them. Yeah, in twelve years, I think it was. That's right. Which kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was looking at the game today, and they didn't put up much of a fight. From start to finish, it was pretty much domination. And you you look at it at at halftime, I don't think Real Madrid were, like, creating a million great chances. But they just felt... It just felt Mm. in control. Like, even think about Budimir, who has given us us problems in the past. Great aerial threat. um, Previously from Mallorca, now with Osasuna. And...
1: um, there were a missed, a good, missed a good chance he just did, before half time like, yeah, I yeah. think, like, literally the last kick of the first half yeah I mean the record with Osasuna is interesting because like Real Madrid usually end up beating them but it's always a tough game they always give you a tough game, they drew the last two that they went to the Bernabeu, it's a tough team and yeah the first half was kind of the same, like at half time I went, was looking around Marca and the, the headline of Marca at half time was you know goal from Bellingham and Siesta, like that was it like Real Madrid kind of took their foot off the gas towards the end, Osasuna came into it uh, half time they were going off and they had a quick uh, post half uh, halftime interview and you know from Osasuna they were like yeah we're we're in this game and then second half Bellingham comes out they uh, they go 2 now down and, and it's over and I think that's something that Real Madrid whether it's against Osasuna or teams like Osasuna, it's rare that they win 4-0 at the Bernabeu. I think we've spoken about this before, like, fans want to see the kind of victories that sometimes Barcelona give their fans at home yeah. when it's just like 5-1, yeah. 6-1, stuff like that. We're going to just put a team to the sword today. At the end of the day, it's still three points, and Real Madrid, more often than not, these kind of games, they finish 2-0, like the Las Palmas one you were at the other day. That one is a kind of game where you could go on and you could really put up on a show, rack up the score, but Real Madrid tend to just take their foot off the gas we get the three points, we don't worry about putting on a show. And for fans, at the end of the day, I mean, La Liga, we have to remember, it's not goal difference that it comes down to at the end of the season. It's your head-to-head if you're level on points. But fans want to see games like this. I'm sure you noticed coming out of the Bernabeu today that 4-0, like people are just a lot more excited at seeing four goals instead of a 2-0. And it doesn't really matter, but it matters to the fans. So it's good that they can put a team like Osasuna away um, 4-0 and not just the siesta that they were sort of heading towards at halftime, where at no point did Osasuna really look like look like winning, but this didn't look like a 4 0 at halftime.
0: No, it didn't. Um, and again, the second half, like if you look at, I was looking at the XG chart on the way here, and it spikes at halftime. Mm. Like we had almost 5 XG according to Understat. I think uh, another publication had it at 3 point something. It may have to do with the penalty, but. Um, At halftime, it just spikes. Mm. The first half was all about control and possession and getting into good zones. The second half was just Osasuna had to open up. They weren't defending as well. And, you know, we have great players in transition to take advantage of that. And, of course, right from the get-go, Jose Lunei scores. uh, Osasuna gives the ball away. He pounces. Left-footed shot goes far post. Um, Something we didn't talk about, which maybe we should have started with, was... We were kind of keeping an eye on who starts at centre-back mm-hmm. alongside Rudiger. It was really down to Mendy and, and uh, Chiu-Meni. Yeah. A lot of people theorized like, okay, maybe you get one of the Castilla guys. Ancelotti put that to bed in the pre-game press conference. He said, yeah. it's Mendy or Chuomeni. And it turned out to be chiu Um Did you have any thoughts on that?
1: I mean, like, I really couldn't have guessed. Like, we basically explained on Friday it would be one of those two. Honestly, I had no idea who he would go for. I think Mendy maybe I was leaning towards, you know, like you could have Mendy and Fran Garcia together and, you know, it could, could maybe work. Um, but Chirmeni, yeah, why not? I mean, the, the the bigger concern I have with putting Chirmeni there, and this happened when you used to move Casemiro out of position, was not only are you having Chirmeni at centre-back, which is a bit of a problem, but that's a problem you have to have with anyone, you're losing Chirmeni at centre, uh, defensive midfield. Yeah. This is what happened when they moved Casemiro around. Is like, okay, Casemiro can help you there, but you're losing Casemiro in, in central midfield. You could put Mondi there and put Fran Garcia alongside him and you're not really losing Mondi, you still have Jermaine. So that was the only mm-hmm. thing I had there, and I, yeah. we'll get to Camavinga, I don't think this was his best game, uh, having to, to replace Jermaine, basically. But Jermaine did fine, I mean there was a few ups and downs, yellow card a couple of moments in the first half he got beat he's not a centre-back, like I think we often give players a pass when they're out of position, as you say, with centre-back we give them two passes, because I think apart from goalkeeper, centre-back is the most specialised position in football, like you can play at full-back, like you can play as a strike like most of these players have played in all these kinds of positions going up uh, through the youth academy, centre-back I think is the most specialised one, after goalkeeper obviously, so to come through this with a clean sheet and a good job, like he did well, like um, like a B-plus centre-back performance, like, you know, hats off, like that's not easy.
0: Yeah, also I was was telling Lucas before the game, if there's any game that you have an emergency at centre-back and you need to try too any there, it's at home against a team like Osasuna and thankfully not at the Camp Nou at the end of the... I I always say Camp Nou, but it's not Camp Nou, but you know what I mean. Um,
1: Although, just just to keep in mind, uh, Rudiger got his fourth yellow card. Yes. He's one game away now from a suspension. Natural suspension is three games. Alaba should be back. We don't quite know, but we... Should see him back, let's see. There might still be a centre back problem in a couple games which just happens to be uh and, the classical.
0: And, and you can't really drop Rudiger. Like uh
1: no, you can't rest him. You like You can't.
0: No. Uh, we don't have that luxury. It's Sevilla Way, yeah. uh, next like. The thing is, um Ancelotti said after the game, like I don't tell my players, you no. know, that you have a yellow card, be careful and stuff. Yeah, and like, I like that. You shouldn't yeah.
1: like I mean You should a bit like they should know like they should have it
0: should be in their back of their mind like you remember when Chavi Alonso picked up the yellow card before like decima. I mean, you were probably happy <laughs> you
1: with know, that. Just, but like, no, but just like, ah, like in the final. In like, the semi-final against Bayern, uh, ah, right, he right. was
0: one yellow card from missing the final. The game yeah, was like 3-0 yeah, okay. and he picked up like that. Those I, thought, I thought you
1: meant the one, what was the one with Mourinho where he oh, no, got no, like Not everyone. the intentional one. <laughs> and it was like, come on, be, Although a, be, that, be subtle. Come that on.
0: reminds me, maybe he should have. No, you can't. You can't. You, you can't. Like you, you can't miss a game before Barca because you don't have the luxury. No.
1: So... Um, and Nacho's still suspended, and Alaba will be probably Miss Austria, but like not be 100%. So you don't, do you really want um, Alaba? Like, it's just, you know, this all goes back really to when Militao got injured in the transfer window, they should have signed someone. Like, you know, they'd let Vallejo go, fine, you need to replace Vallejo, not replace Militao. They didn't replace Vallejo, and now we're at the point where you know and it goes back as well then to Nacho's challenge which I still think was like ridiculous not becoming of a Real Madrid captain and and, you know you saw people after that oh well Alaba will be back Uh, never mind but also like he's not and who's to say he'll be back at 100% for Sevilla and Barcelona so it's a bit of a a situation I think Rüdiger is smart enough able enough to, to get through without a yellow card but sometimes you can't help it like you can try your best not to get a yellow card you can't help it. So we you you, you know that's
0: going to be in the Sevilla scouting report. Get under, oh, yeah. under this guy's skin. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I agree with you about should have probably signed someone, mm. and or and or maybe not have left Vallejo go, but I also wonder like really like probably not let Vallejo go would have been the better option. But like it's it's hard to sign someone mm. to be fair. Only, I say that only because, like, in Ancelotti's eyes, he so he'll have this fourth-choice centre-back that he may or may not use unless it's an emergency. And let's say, for example, mm. you go into the Camp Nou with that problem. Is Ancelotti going to trust that fourth choice centre back, or is he just going to put too many there? Like serious question. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like we we've run into this problem oh, a lot so, before. Like I mean,
1: well, we've seen it with left back with Camavinga that he prefers maybe like uh, one of his guys out of position than trusting one of the the youth team guys because yeah. remember the Kamavinga left back thing started with all the left backs were injured. Yeah. they now it's become a thing where even when they're not injured, he'll he'll still play him there. So. Yeah. No, that's a good question. I don't know if um, he would actually trust the 4th choice centre-back for, for a Classico, but um, yeah, I mean, hopefully he doesn't get to that. Rudiger um, gets through Sevilla and then he can play and get booked in the Classico and miss whatever game is next. Fine, no problem. Um, but this is going to be a talking point on something. Uh, the tightrope, the famous tightrope that um, is proper football parlance. We never talk- speak about tightropes when it's not a player on four yellow cards.
0: Well, uh, the tightrope, I think, will the not go. Is out. It'll not go away all season. Like mm. even when Alaba comes back, Yeah,
1: someone's always going to be close to suspension. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and it's already thin, so naturally, injury suspension is going to be thin. Um, you kind of preface it, by, by by bringing it up with the the many playing center back and the Dominoes, obviously, like mm. I I think part of the pairing was that, and and why Ancelotti opted for many instead of Mendy is because if he loses many in midfield, he wants someone to be taking care of the defensive side of things in midfield at DM. So he puts Kamavinga there. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you're left with Mendy or, or Fran Garcia. And Fran Garcia, which he wrote about, maybe has lost a bit of trust right now. Yeah. But Kamavinga plays DM. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember how many times he's played there in the last year or so. The one I remember clearly in my mind was at Anfield against Liverpool, which he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think he's like less comfortable under pressure from the DM position than he is at left back or center midfielder. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is with him, but we saw it today. Like he just has given the ball away several times from that position. Yeah. Uh and and that's something he has to work on if he's gonna play there more. Yeah. But it's weird, like under I was I was watching film for a column before the game started. Mm and i was looking back at that Girona game was which was the first game he played the left back
1: position and yep.
0: under pressure he's like just dribbling past multiple players he did the yep. same thing against napoli he just seems more comfortable under pressure at the left back spot
1: yeah i think as well at left back there's less risk you know you lose the ball there maybe goes out for a throw in maybe you lose it in a slightly less dangerous position it's less obvious when you lose it um where he loses it in defensive midfield it can lead to a goal it can be so obvious it can get you can get so criticized and that's surely in your mind as well when you're evaluating whether to take a guy on or not i think the the sad thing for him is that he's just so versatile so good can play everywhere he gets put in positions different positions it's not so much that he can't play dm he can't play left back he can't play this no he can play all these positions and well but please, let's just put him in one position for like a few games in a row. Like mm. So I went and looked at this for part of the, the three things, uh, three questions, free answers today. When How many games has Camavinga played? He started a game in the same position where he started the last game. It's happened in just two instances this season. We're 11 games in. He played uh, Celta Vigo, and Tatafi played left midfield for both of those. And Girona and Napoli, he played left back for both of those. Yeah. On no other occasion has he started a match After starting in the same position the previous match, he's either not started again or he started in a different position. You cannot build any sort of consistency like that, and especially not for such a position as holding midfielder. So, yeah, it's just, it's, he's got this gift where he can play anywhere, but like by being able to play anywhere, you kind of play nowhere. And you just hope, like at some point, and we kind of felt like, at least I did, that left midfield was going to be his position this season. Yeah. And even still, you know, the, he's playing in defensive midfield, he's playing at left-back. It's just let him play a few games in a row in one place and he'll he'll be 100% of himself, which I think we all know is, like, insane.
0: I I, I say this often, when you're so good at so many things, you get punished for it.
1: Yeah. Like, it's a bit of a curse. Yeah. Um, Saul Atletico. Yeah. Like, um, ruined his career, I think, being so good at so many positions. Yeah. He well, ended up with no position. And just Camavinga's too good for that to happen. But like, we're starting to see like he's getting moved around too much. It's too much.
0: This also goes back to the way you constructed the squad mm. in the summertime.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, when you're thin in certain positions and you have a player who can play multiple positions, you're like, okay, well, that's my safety net. Anytime I need to shift him in, in and out of that position, I can but the funny thing is actually with left back we're mm. not really in no. that situation because we have Fran Garcia
1: two healthy left backs on the bench yeah, when
0: he's um, yeah. I, so I've been asking everyone this I'm, I haven't asked you yet mm. if all of Mendy Fran Garcia and Kamavinga are healthy against Barca which mm. one does Ancelotti trust the most Mondi. at left back
1: Monday. yeah over so. Kamavinga I think for a game like that where I think it depends on the game which is a sitting on the fence answer but I think Ancelotti thinks Mundi is his best lockdown defensive option and for a big champions league game or classical i think you would go for monday hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: Do you think the reason for Fran Garcia's demotion? I mm. guess for lack of a better word, is because of his defense, or
1: I think so. Like, so I looked at the stats of this since the derby, which we, I think we can all admit he was poor. I mean, not entirely his fault. Many players were poor, but he was he was particularly struggling on that on that side. Uh, he played 30 minutes off the bench against Las Palmas, and then three games in a row, zero minutes. Like, I think it's a clear sort of punishment from the derby. But the thing I would point out to people as well is like, I think everyone kind of assumed, ah, Fran Garcia is a starter, and now he's been demoted to first choice left-back. Not really the start of the season. I think he wasn't, in Ancelotti's eyes, a starter. I think Mondi was a starter, and Fran Garcia was the backup. Mondi was injured. So Fran Garcia played all these games. It seemed like he was a starter. And I don't think... I think Ancelotti's plan was always when Mondi came back, Fran Garcia was demoted a little. And now that he's had a bad game, Mondi's come back, Camavinga played a couple of good games there. And I think that's hurt Fran Garcia even more. But I don't think it's a drop from first choice to third choice. I think it's like he was always going to be second choice for Ancelotti. I think Ancelotti rates (laughs) Mondi when he's healthy. And right now it seems, you know, touch wood, like he is actually fairly healthy to play at least once a week.
0: This is also, we think... Angelotti's last season at Real Madrid. Yeah, I think so. Um there's a lot of people who, including me, um, Lucas is very adamant about this that like Fran Garcia needs to develop. Mm. I think it's a it's a hard balance like between okay, we need to win now. We got like no margin of error. We can't like be patient with everybody. We have Barça coming up, Sevilla coming up, even though Sevilla are not what they used to be. It's still Sevilla, Sanchez, Pigeon, you can't write them off. Yeah. Um. And a An- couple of that with Ancelotti's last season. Yeah. I don't think Ancelotti's thinking like, okay, I really like, think these minutes from Fran Garcia are, are valuable four years from now. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think he's just like, dude, we got to win. Like, this is round, we can't, yeah. we can't, uh we can't be, coddling players right now. No, that's um, true. But you know, I think Fran Garcia's been fine. Like yeah, I yeah. I like defensively, yeah, he's poor against Atletico. Everyone was poor. Yeah. Um, and offensively, I think he's been encouraging. Um yeah. so, you know, I guess we'll just monitor it. Um for now Fran Garcia has lost some trust. Um what are the talking
1: points? I mean, Who's we kind been? of we usually go through chronologically. We've kind of done the lineup and we're yeah. moving from back to front. So, we're I guess now we get we get towards we get towards Modric, I think mm-hmm. at this point. Which was interesting just how deep he was. Like, I don't yeah. like when he's played this season, he's often come in for Bellingham and he's playing like as the tip of the diamond. This one, he was so deep. I saw a few people linking it, oh, he was playing the pure overall today. I was like, I don't really think it was that because he was so close to Camavinga. The way I described it was like the Kadira and Xavi Alonso, where you had one guy to do the dirty work to win the ball back, and then you had one guy to like ping the long ball passes. And right. that was Modric, was Xavi Alonso, Camavinga was Kadira. And they were basically a double pivot at points, which was kind of interesting to see. in Modric, you know, playing some of these long balls, 12 long balls he attempted, nine he completed in this game. Like, he was playing from deep, was getting further forward in the second half, and I think came out with a point to prove for this one.
0: Uh, we talking about, like, we didn't really talk about the actual goals. No. We just talked about the fact that Bellingham scores a lot of them, but yeah. Modric was... Instrumental in the, the first personal. one, it's
1: he's the one that probably does the most, yeah. And he doesn't get the goal or the assist.
0: It's a great pass, it's great work from Carvajal, too, in the right half space. It's a great composed finish from Bellingham, of course. Yeah. Right before that, and I haven't seen in replay, this is obviously a disadvantage of being in the stadium, as you mm. know, less than people watching at home. Kamavinga, I think, got fouled in the build up, like, yeah, yeah. And, um,
1: no, it was a foul, but they played advantage, yeah, just as well. Modric's like smarter than everyone, I think half of the Osasuna players were thinking it might be a free kick and they play advantage and Modric, you know, continues playing and uh, can pick out that pass when Osasuna are maybe a little bit sleepy. Maybe they're not, but, you know.
0: Yeah. The second goal that Bellingham scored, I thought, I mean, they were were all brilliant, but the second one was very interesting because you rewind it like seconds prior to the goal was scored Mm. and Bellingham's like pretty deep in the left half space and he has like six Osasuna players in that defensive line. Yeah. And there's not, like, you wouldn't think, like, seven seconds later it's a goal. He does really well in that tight space Mm -hmm. to find his way through, find Fede. And I thought Fede does an amazing job of of finding Jude and Jude scoring from there, obviously, because it's Jude Bellingham right now. And he's on fire. Um, But that leads to another talking point that we haven't talked about yet is Mm -hmm. I thought Fede Valverde was great. Mm -hmm. Um, Working really hard defensively, sprinting back. Winning these balls that you don't even think like he's not even close to initially, always long bursting runs, uh, with the ball, without the ball. He had five key passes tonight, the most of anyone on the field. Sets up, I think he had two assists,
1: Mm, no, one, one, I think.
0: Yeah, it was just the Jude one. Um, no, the Vinicius one, two assists, one, the breakaway.
1: Ah, yeah, true, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so he was he was fantastic Mm. tonight. Um, I, I think. He is back to his best. I know he's yeah. not scoring like he did before the World Cup, but from the, like the way he's affecting multiple mm-hmm. facets of the game right now, he's he's. But I always amazing. think
1: the goals that we saw this time last season were like a bonus. Like that's not really like sure. supposed to be his game. Um, that was an extra, and he's playing. You know, he's. I mean, he just did what he did against Napoli. It wasn't his goal, but like um, you know, should have been. He, yeah, I hate like, that rule. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. but like um, it's. That's what we've seen from video, This long range shooting and you know it provokes goals. If it's not uh, his goal, even in the end. And but as general play is, yeah, like he's backed his best. He's he's probably the one. If you look, because we kind of goes back to the Camavinga, Treomani, all the rotation. I think he's the one that has the most trust right now from Ancelotti because, like, he's assuring pretty much every game <clears> unless he's been rested for starting on the right of midfield. He's the one player who's playing same position every single week what Camavinga at the left midfield I think in the ideal 11 that's where you have it he doesn't have that so like uh, if we could just give Camavinga the consistency Fede Valverde is getting maybe we would say the same kind of um, the same kind of thing but like you know you can't criticise Fede Valverde for being given the consistency and good conditions he's making the most of it so yeah
0: yeah no he's he's been he's been great Um, and then the third goal hmm. Camavinga wins the ball yep yeah. Um, and Fede just lightning quick he knew what to do before he even got it just great pass to Vinicius who rounded and the then, keeper.
1: Yeah. no I mean so at this point I was already writing a bit about Vinicius and the right back of Osasuna so I was really yeah. surprised they put him because like he's their third choice right back and they yeah. put him against Vinicius, he's their youngest right back by a long way, and I was like, okay, I guess they're going for someone who has the, the pace to maybe keep with Vinicius. Yeah, and I was writing about it because in the first hour, like Aréso did a pretty good job. Vinicius wasn't getting past them; like he wasn't really making much happen. But this game, when the break, the game broke down, Vinicius really just started to like stand next to David Garcia, the old like older centre back, who he's going to beat in a duel every single time, and Aréso kind of started to not stay with Vinicius as much. He's covered. But he is my guy, and Vinicius just by going a bit more central, basically that's how he gets the the goal and the assist. The goal, he's right there. He's going up against David Garcia who has absolutely no chance. And you even see from one of the camera angles behind the goal, when the ball comes to Vinicius and he's up against David Garcia, you see a who's in a different position, more attacking, because also sooner are chasing the game, and he just raises his hands like, oh no, like this is yeah. that's supposed to be my guy, but like he's gonna beat David Garcia every time. He does, and then when he Pulls the the miraculous touch to bring the ball down for the fourth goal is David Garcia, who's the centre back closest to Vinicius. He's not. He's too good for that, and he can lay it off for the for the goal. So like, Vinicius was kind of kept quiet for the first hour, but was exactly the kind of player we spoke about. Real Madrid in general being so good at making the most of space, counter attacking when the game breaks down, when the other team has to chase it. Like Vinicius is kind of like the exemplification of that. Like he's the one that makes all the space just so dangerous if you're chasing the game against Real Madrid. The
0: the control yeah. for the assist yeah. was amazing. Yeah. The way he brought that ball down, the way he just kept the ball at his feet and then played Huzulu through was really impressive. Yeah. Um did you see Angelotti's quotes after the game? Yeah, about I watched the, it, yeah. the penalty takers. Yeah,
1: so that was strange. Like, um, I mean, so he said earlier this season that his order would be Hossolo, then Modric, but it depends on who's on the pitch because sometimes neither of them are on the pitch. When the penalty happened, Hossolo was on the pitch, Modric wasn't, so no controversy. But then he was asked in the press conference. Mm, kind of looked like a few of the players were saying maybe give it to Rodrigo, boost yeah. his confidence. And then the second time he was asked about it, he said, "Ah, yeah, I told Rudiger to tell them to let Rodrigo take it," which I thought was a strange line because he'd already been asked, and he said, "No, today the penalty taker was Housalu," so he kind of changed. I don't know. Like- so
0: I I was thinking about this because I don't I don't know if the camera was showing it necessarily, but mm-hmm. when Housalu when the penalty is won, mm-hmm. and I think they were doing a check maybe on bar I don't know just yeah, a double like check, a check or whatever check, yeah. yeah. Joselu just takes the ball, like, as if he's going to yeah. take it. Brahim comes over and talks to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they were talking about, obviously. But um, later, you kind of see some kind of, like, messages being passed down. Then Rudiger does go over and talk to Joselu, mm-hmm. And then Joselu just takes it. I I don't know. Like, this, I, this ma- doesn't matter. It was 4 nothing, But this is more of a I general I think it does point. matter,
1: though, because, like, they keep missing penalties. So, like, it, it matters. It matters
0: more if it's a bigger occasion when you yeah. really need to score and you and you're, yeah. you don't know who's taking the penalty. Like
1: like Celta like Vigo, when they missed it, and then right. Bellingham popped up, and they won anyway. But, like, that could have been... Who took been,
0: that one? Was it Rodrigo? That uh, was
1: Rodrigo, I think. Um, the Metafe one, which then got overturned, uh, was the one where there was another kind of strange Ancelotti quote, where he'd said, Hosselu was ahead of Modric, but Modric was holding the ball, and then he said in the press conference afterwards, I ah, know that was a trick, um, because we wanted them to annoy Modric... Um, and then he would pass it off to Hossolu like you know the kind of way in like a World Cup semi-final where they try and get in the guy's head and then like they pass it over this was like a home game against Itafi in match day four like I don't really think you had to overthink it that much just give it to Hossolu and like you know anyway I mean, I think Hasseluu probably is in Angelotti's mind the first choice taker, but he's taken one and missed one now. So what it's... are the
0: numbers like for their careers? Could you say it off the top of your head, like who so of the squad we have now?
1: I looked at this like when like way early in the season. I think actually in preseason when someone missed a penalty, Vinicius missed a penalty in preseason. Um, yeah. I looked at it then to be like, okay, now that Benzema's gone. Who have we got? And what I found was the best percentage was Modric. The problem is that Modric isn't always going to be in the pitch. Right. And probably rarely, given what we've seen the last few weeks.
0: I mean, I Modric's track record is great, obviously, um, yeah. with Croatia, too. Kroos is another one.
1: Yeah. But I don't, I, again, a little bit like the kind of Camavinga thing, completely different. But, like, I think you want to give it to someone who's going to be taking, like, them semi-regularly. You I know? just
0: care about who's going to score. Like... Yeah, remember when you know when Ramos yeah. was doing it for us? Yeah,
1: yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he was scoring like, yeah. and he was on the pitch. But that's the thing is, he like, was on the field every game. The candidates are like Hosselu Modric, Cross is another one that's up there with a good percentage. Rodrigo is there, although his percentage isn't actually very good. Vinicius percentage isn't actually very good, but he's going to be on the pitch a lot. But I don't really think he's he's really in contention. So if you're looking at the top takers, it's a few guys who are probably not always going to be on the pitch. So it's a it is a problem I think Like, and I think you want someone who's getting into the sort of um, the routine the you know like muscle memory of taking penalties. Sure. And to me <coughs> Hosselu's probably going to play more minutes than Modric score more goals than Modric so I think you persist with Hosselu but it's yeah it's a shame he missed this one because I think if he scores this one today he puts this question completely to bed but he didn't. I have a question though.
0: Mm. Why hasn't like what about Jude Bellingham? Well, no. I've never seen no. him take a penalty, no. so I don't no. and I, I don't know unless I feel he, like he would. He has that. I would assume he can put that in the back of the net unless like there's some secret like penalty um thing in training that we don't know about and he's yeah. like oh for 200. He's yeah. like the worst penalty shooter of all time, which I doubt. I
1: mean, maybe they they start to look at this. I mean, I can't remember seeing Bellingham take a penalty for Dortmund England mm. like even penalty shootouts like I think I don't know if he's been in one. Like I really don't know if he's uh, taken one we can look this up and, and see for, for next time but I mean pff, like kind of why sense. not Like you feel yeah. like he's the kind of guy that goes up and you feel like he's going to score Hustle has been playing really well but like he's scoring a lot of goals but he's also missing a lot of chances so when he went up to take it I was really like oh, okay uh, Real Madrid have missed the last few penalties it's Sergio Herrera who now has the last four penalties he's faced against Real Madrid none of them have been scored Really, It's he, scared, he saved. Remember the one he saved two in the same game against Benzema. Oh, that was him, um, right? So he saved three now and one hit the woodwork of the last four penalties he's faced against Real Madrid. You saw the banter so that was happening after. Yeah, 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 that was quite funny. And uh, yeah.
0: everyone to burn about just uh, start swearing and they go cuatro, cuatro, like dude, you just conceded four goals. Why are you talking? And then shit? he
1: apologized and it didn't work. Like I saw, I couldn't see. Yeah. I just saw him like. He dude. then kind of went and did the like. <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's he's whatever, like pumped I just, up. Yeah, i don't just, know if you saw him last week against Alaves, but he's a—he's a strange character. You, yeah. They say you have to be a bit crazy to be a goalkeeper. That was one where he like basically like went off crying because like his like socks were too tight and he had uh, fit at the goalkeeper and had to be subbed off because no he way. was just like too <coughs> crazy out of his out of his mind. Um, he's a—he's a—he's an interesting guy. So keep that in mind when you you see Jose Luis the hardest penalty for a Real Madrid player to score is against Sergio Herrera.
0: I didn't see a replay of the penalty. Did he shoot it at the keeper? Yeah,
1: it was pretty bad. Yeah.
0: Um, well, luckily for Real Madrid, it was formal at that point. Uh, we got to go. Any
1: concluding thoughts? Not really. I mean, international break again. Real Madrid are top. I mean, like, six points from six in Champions League. 24 points from 27 in La Liga. Like, the team's playing pretty well. This was maybe the best performance so far. After, if not this one, the Napoli one. If not that one, the Girona one. Like... Your top three of performances for the season were probably the last three. What? Like, if you're a Real Madrid fan, you go into the international break pretty happy and, and hoping for no injuries, as, as always.
0: One last question. What is your opinion on this, Vichy Catalan?
1: Oh, I'm not a fan. No? Nah, it's not good. It's hit or
0: miss. No? I love it. We can't no. get this in Canada. Really? So, I go through at least two bottles. Can two. you bring
1: it back? I mean, it's a heavy thing. Like, no, two. I can't. Yeah. I can't bring liquids. Yeah.
0: I mean, but I go through two a day in Spain. Yeah. This I'm not a fan great. one office I used to work in. like, it's had that salt. On, I enjoy yeah, the salt. Yeah, they
1: had that on, like, uh, like supply everywhere. Just could never get used to it. Mm.
0: Well, there you have it. There's the big uh, questions. You guys try it next time you're in Spain, Vichy Catalan. Um, it doesn't exist in North America, not that I've seen anyway. Ewan, thanks for hosting. It was no uh It was great to do this again. It's been a while since we had a podcast here at your house together, um, just like old times. So... Yeah. Thanks for hosting and thanks for listening. We'll be back on Monday. Lucas and I will record a podcast. And in the meantime, please go over to patreon.com/slash managing or YouTube memberships because a ton of bonus content every week over there, including live calls, mailbags, post-game shows for the Champions League games, etc. You Ewan, thanks. No problem. Listeners, thanks. Take care.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.